This dynamic message is brought to you by Redemption in Jesus with Marco Bravo. I believe that this message this morning is not only going to help you in your relationship with God, but more so also with your relationship with those around you, with your loved ones, with other people around you. Because the same principles apply to your relationships horizontally as it does vertically with God. Amen. So <laughs> here is the title of our message this morning. The downside to a rule-keeping relationship with God, and you can say, and others. So the downside to a rule-keeping relationship with God. Or we can just put it this way, the downside to rule-keeping relationships. Alright, so that's, it's all going to come into play, it's all going to make sense as we go along. Now, you know, one of the things that we see, that we understand about the Bible, specifically about the Old and the New Covenant, is, is that respectively, the two covenants, the Old and the New, show us the downside and the upside of a relationship with God. Are you with me? It's going to make more sense as I go along. Because that's what they do. In short, you could say that the New Covenant shows us the upside of having a non-rule-based relationship with God. And the Old Covenant shows us the downside of having a rule-based relationship with God. I trust that you captivated that and you're following me here. Because that's in essence too what those covenants do. I mean, I know there's a whole lot in it and we've studied and we continue to study and we understand many things about it. But one thing that you see, if you just distance and look, look from a little bit of a further distance, I guess, if you will, look at the bigger picture, you will see that the new covenant shows us the upside of having a non-rule-based relationship with God. And the Old Covenant actually shows us the downside of having a rule-based relationship with God. Not only does Scripture teach the benefit of one over the other. Now, I'm not saying we should devalue or ignore one over the other, because you need the one to appreciate the other. But not only does Scripture show us the value of the one over the other, but also it helps us understand the value of both so we can enjoy the one that God intended for us to have, the relationship that God intended for us to have. And if you think about Christendom today, many believers, even though we say we are new covenant believers and we believe and trust in Jesus and the finished work of the cross and we live by the new covenant, <laughs> as we say, there are many who still engage in a rule-based relationship with God. And I'm not saying that rules are bad. I'm not saying that we should, you know, throw out rules. Not at all. And you'll see, as I share with you today, how it fits into the picture. But God's heart has always been to enjoy a non-rule-based relationship with us. Amen. Think about your loved ones. I mean, if you relate to them by rules, and you expect them to relate to you by rules only, what kind of a relationship will you have? 
You know, we do that at work with our employer. We, we do that in, in the secular world. There's certain protocols and rules that we just don't, you know, certain lines we don't cross socially and so forth. And so, you know, we have a tendency sometimes to bring that. And because of the law, the old covenant, we tend to bring rules into our relationship with God. And God never intended for it to be so. Otherwise, He would have given it to Adam and Eve before the fall. And He didn't. They chose to engage in rule-keeping, not God. Right? And so the other plus, if you will, is that Scripture also teaches us how to enjoy a genuine and meaningful relationship with one another. So not only does it show us how to enjoy a good relationship and a genuine relationship and a free relationship with God, but also these aspects apply to our horizontal relationships. And they show us actually how to enjoy genuine and meaningful relationships with one another. And you'll see what I mean as I go along. So let's begin by looking at Romans chapter 6 and verse 14 <laughs> from the King James translation. Watch what it says. We're familiar with this one, but I want to focus on our subject today. It says, for sin, now remember, that doesn't say sins, it says sin. If you look it up in the original, it's a noun, it's not a verb. So it's not talking about sinful actions and deeds, although it includes all that, because it's actually talking about, it's a noun. So it's the state of sin, which includes all the verbs, of course. But it says, for the whole aspect of sin, the whole state of sin, shall not have dominion over you. For, it says, you are not under the law, but under grace. So when does sin not have rulership over you? When you realize that you're under grace, right? So when will it have rulership over you? When you think that you're still under law, right? So can you see right there, it shows us that God never intended for us to have a rule-based relationship with Him. He wanted us to have a rule-free relationship with Him. Let's have a look at that same portion from the Living Bible. It helps us understand it a little clearer. It says, Sin need never again be your master. For now, you are no longer tied to the law where sin enslaves you. See, the law enslaves you to sin or to itself through sin. Then it says, but you are free under God's favor and mercy. I love the way it puts it. It's pretty powerful. So it says there that you are no longer tied to sin. Of course, that's talking to believers, those who have received salvation in Jesus. And so we see there too, in that verse that we've just read from two different translations, we see that by default, everyone is tied to um, to sin, right? Because they are tied to the law. And the law uses sin to show how sinful they are. And so we can see that by default, everyone is tied to sin. In other words, without salvation in Jesus, sin dominates everyone's life. True or not true? Of course it does. We're all descendants, natural descendants, of a fallen being. This body that we live in is the result 
of the fall, right? So even though on the inside in our spirit we're born again and we are new creations in Christ Jesus, we still live in this fallen body, which is part of what we got from Adam, our ancestor. And so by default, because of that, this body may be tied to sin, but we ourselves are not tied to sin if we received salvation in Jesus. Those are the things that that portion is explaining to us. So in other words, without salvation in Jesus, sin dominates everyone's life. This is why he says you are no longer uh, enslaved to sin because you are no longer under the law. Right? And so another way we can put this is by saying the following. Without salvation in Jesus, sin rules over everyone's life and therefore affects our relationship with God. Right? That's why God needed to send Jesus to be the sacrifice for our sin so we can be removed from that sinful state and be placed in a righteous state in Jesus and thus enjoy a free, genuine relationship with God. Because sin and the law prevented us from enjoying that kind of relationship with God. Look at Romans 3 verse 23. It shows us that clearly. Just in case someone thinks, oh no, no. I qualify. I think I'm a good person. I think I have a great relationship with God. Well, look at what it says. For all have sinned, notice everyone, and come short of the glory of God. In other words, we've come short of God's glorious ideal for us because of the fall, right? So that shows us clearly right there. So praise God for salvation in Jesus. Amen. Now, because of Jesus and the finished work of the cross, we can have and enjoy a non-rule-based relationship with God. Isn't that what that also means? What we've read? Because of the fact that God sent Jesus, Jesus died for us and as us, He was this ultimate sacrifice for our sin, all of our sin, past, present, and future. Then it means that now we can enjoy a non rule-based relationship with God. This is why he made the point extra clear and said, for you are no longer under law. What God is trying to say to you and I there, he's not trying to, he is saying it. What he's saying to us there is is that you are no longer bound to have a rule-based relationship with me. You and I can enjoy a non-rule-based relationship. That's important. We need to understand that. Because too many believers, and I used to be there too, I used to teach that too, and I used to try and have that kind of relationship with God, where I had my outline, and I had my clock, and my timer, and, you know, if I didn't spend this much time in the morning, and pray in tongues this much time, and read these many chapters, and memorized so many verses, then I walked out feeling somewhat gratified because I had actually spent time with God, but I felt horribly terrible the whole day because I didn't get it all done or I didn't memorize everything properly or I couldn't remember at the end of the day what I had read in the morning. And so, you know, all these rules would dominate my relationship with God and ultimately I would feel worse and I would actually feel better. The only place where I felt better was the fact that I actually had done it. And that was to soothe my conscience. And my conscience wasn't soothed. So at the end of the day, what happened? (laughs) More guilt was pounded. 
And so you see, that's what happens when we, when we try and have a rule-based relationship with God. Now, I'm not saying structure is not good, and I'll talk more about that as we come to an ending later. But I want us to talk about this rule-based and non-rule-based relationship with God. So now, let's look at Romans 6.14 again from the Living Bible. And I want to draw some more things to your attention. Watch this. It says, sin need never again. In other words, you can let it, but it doesn't need to, because the issue has been dealt with, right? Need never again be your master. In other words, rule over you, dominate over you, control you. For now, he says, in other words, after having received salvation in Jesus, you are no longer tied to the law where sin enslaves you. So if you relate to God by law, then sin will enslave you. And what is the law? It's God's rules. It begins with the Ten Commandments, and it has another 603 around it. So basically, it's a rule-keeping relationship with God. And here God says, sin, unfortunately, will be your master and rule in your life if you try and have a rule-based relationship with me. This is why I'm telling you that, that you <laughs> are no longer tied to the law, so you no longer need to have a rule-based relationship with me. Then he says, but you are free under God's favor and mercy. I trust that you are seeing this. I mean, in essence, that is what God is saying to us there. So in Jesus, God made it possible for us to enjoy a non-rule-based relationship with Him. Amen? Why is that? Well, because a rule-based relationship will never allow us to have the kind of relationship that apparently God wants us to have with Him. Isn't that so? That's why He removed that barrier. Now you may say, why else? Well, <laughs> in relation to our title this morning, because it has too many downsides. And I'm going to show you some of those downsides. There's a whole lot more than what I can do today, but I'm going to show you what I believe are the most important downsides to having a rule-based relationship with God and with others while we're at it, because the same principles apply. Okay, So now remember... We saw the term or the phrase that said, you are no longer tied to the law. Remember that? In other words, you, what that means, what tied to the law means, is tied to rule keeping. Because that's what the law is, isn't it? You do, you get. You don't do, you don't get. You fulfill, these blessings come. You don't, these curses come. Deuteronomy 28, right? So it's a rule-based system. And when God said, you are no longer tied to the law, He might as well have just said, you are no longer tied to having a rule-keeping relationship with me. You see, those of the Old Covenant, I'm not talking about the Old Testament, okay? A lot of times people confuse and think that the two are the same. They're not the same. The Old Testament consists, has a number of covenants in it. I'm talking about the Old Covenant, which is part of the Old Testament. So I'm not talking about the Old Testament. I'm talking about the Old Covenant, the one where God gave Moses the law and people had to relate to God by law because that's what they chose, right? That's what we're talking about. And so when God says you're no longer tied to the law, what He means is that you're no longer tied to rule-keeping in order to have 
a relationship with me. Because that's how the law worked. And so if any believer today, beyond the cross, thinks that they are still under law, or some of the law still applies to them, then they will end up bringing rule-keeping into their relationship with God, and thus trying to relate to God that way. And I'm going to show you the downsides are not fun. It's only going to lessen your relationship with God. It may be superficial, but it's never going to be what God intended for you to enjoy. So you'll see that. And so when we are tied to rule keeping, what happens? We are tied to our, <coughs> to our sin and sinfulness. Isn't that so? Because the minute you don't fulfill a rule, the minute you don't satisfy a rule, what happens? You sin. You mess up. And then that's all you think about. So it interferes with your relationship with God. Now I know someone may be thinking, but hold on, this doesn't sound like rocket science. It's common sense. I understand all this. Okay. Well, as we go through the downsides, let's see if you're guilty of any of them, because then you'll see how you've incorporated rule keeping into your relationship without even realizing. Now, let's look at Romans chapter 3, verse 20, as we continue with our subject. For no one can ever, notice, no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law, watch this, simply shows us how sinful we are. Did you see that? So one of the main jobs of God's law is to show us simply how sinful we are. So it's like a mirror. When you wake up in the morning and you go to a mirror, you see how your hair is a mess and you know how you need to clean yourself. And you know, if, you, if you're a lady and you sleep with some of your makeup on, you see how your makeup is smudged and this and that. I mean, we can see we need a clean, we need a shower, we need to comb our hair, we need to fix ourselves and so forth. So the mirror shows us the condition we're in. But can you stand there in front of your mirror and say, mirror, mirror on the wall, fix thou me now. And boom, like a fairy godmother with twinkles and sound effects and everything, do you all of a sudden appear just gorgeous looking? No, that doesn't happen. So are you going to get angry with the mirror and punch the mirror and break it and rip it off from the wall and says, I never want to see this mirror again. I'm fed up with it. It does nothing for me. I mean, people are going to think you're crazy, right? The reason why that mirror is there is to show you your condition as is so that you can do something about it. That's a similar illustration to the law of God. The law shows you where you, where you mess up, where you fall short, where you fail to keep the rules of God, and that's it. It does, it's not going to help you change it. It's not going to help you fix it. It's not going to help you fulfill the rules. It just shows you your current state, and that's it. That's what this is saying. So for someone to try and relate to God by law, by rule-keeping, it's like relating to God with a mirror and saying, God, don't look at me today. Look at the mirror. Well, he's seeing the same thing, right? And so that's what this is saying. So that's the first thing we need to understand or one of the main things we need to understand about God's law or about rule keeping. All it's ever going to do is it's going to reveal 
our current sinful, not that we are sinful, because in Jesus we've been redeemed, but what the law is going to do is focus on where you fall short in and of yourself outside of Jesus. Let's have a look at Hebrews chapter 10, verses 2 to 4 from the Amplified. Now this is talking about the old covenant sacrifices for sin, which is all under the law. So watch what it says about the law and what else the law does to people who relate to God by it. Okay, It says, for if it were otherwise, in other words, if it was different, would not these sacrifices, talking about the old covenant sacrifices, which were a type and shadow of Jesus, have stopped being offered for the worshippers having once for all time been cleansed, would no longer have a consciousness of sin. Do you see that? In other words, if the old covenant sacrifices could have cleared the sinner once and for all, then they wouldn't have thought about their sins all the time and have it in their conscience. And these are people that are living by law. These are people that are relating to God by rule-keeping. And it says that rule-keeping, all it does is it keeps someone conscious of sin all the time. Because the minute they don't meet the rule, it tells them, you failed, you messed up. That's it. Then it says in verse 3, But as it is, these continual sacrifices bring a fresh reminder of sins to be atoned for year after year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Now with that, it also infers that Jesus doesn't remind you of your sins year after year all the time. In Jesus, you shouldn't be conscious of your sin because he took away your sins. But if you want to relate to God by rule keeping instead of Jesus and the finished work of the cross or Jesus plus rule keeping, ultimately rule keeping is going to dominate because that's the way that it's designed to work because it will keep you conscious of where you fail to meet the rules or satisfy the rules and it will remind you every time you think about it how you fail to meet the rules, right? And so it alienates you from Jesus and the finished work of the cross and it keeps you focused on your failure to keep the rules. That's what that's saying in essence. So all rules do is keep us tied to rule keeping. Isn't that a principle that we see in that portion of scripture we just read? Of course we do. All rules do is keep us tied to rule keeping. Think about your driving experience. When you go out in the morning and you drive to work or you drive to go shopping, wherever it is that you're driving to, there are speed signs, there are traffic lights, there's all kinds of traffic rules. You are actually engulfed with them. You have to drive on the specific side of the road, right? So you are engulfed with a whole bunch of rules. And all those rules do is keep you tied to rule keeping. Because the minute you don't, if you get caught, then you pay the consequence. You suffer the consequence, right? So that's what rules do. So who wants to relate to God that way? By rules, because it will keep you tied to rule keeping. So where will your greater focus be? On your rule keeping more than the person himself. 
Now, <clears throat> what rules do is they remind us how we don't measure up, how we fall short, and how we need to do better. Isn't that so? I mean, I can tell you almost every day as I drive, I keep my eyes on the road. It's on the, you know, on the mirrors, just checking, make sure no one's driving too close to me, making sure that if I'm going to change lanes, that there's no, no other car next to me and so forth. But also, I look at my speedometer probably more than any, any other instrument in my car. Why is that? Because I'm conscious of not breaking the rules and sticking to the speed limit. You see, that's what rule keeping does. It keeps you focused on you keeping the rules and really not on the person itself. Right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's what we're talking about here. And so, how do we enjoy a relationship like that? How does anyone enjoy a relationship like that? You can't, right? I mean, this is why people in Germany with the Autobahn, as they call it, where apparently you just pay a fee and you get on this freeway and there's no rules. You can drive as fast as you like, however you like. I mean, apparently it's very popular and people travel to Germany just to get on this Autobahn, just so that they can feel the freedom of no need to keep rules. Can you imagine, and I mean, how people must feel, and yet that's a simple <laughs> almost silly illustration comparing to our relationship with God. But that's exactly how God wants us to be with Him. And that's how He intended for us to be with one another. Amen. Let's have a look at Romans 4, 6, 14 again. There's something else I want to show you here. For sin shall not have dominion over you, remember. For ye are not under law, but under grace. In other words, you are no longer tied to having to have a rule-keeping relationship with me. Isn't that what God is saying? Mm -hmm. That is exactly what He's saying. But the other thing too that we see here is, is that grace is the only remedy to a rule-keeping relationship with God. Do you see that? Yes. Let me say that again. Grace is the only remedy to a rule-keeping relationship with God. Or we can say it this way. Grace is the only remedy to living free from the guilt, shame, and condemnation of not living up to the rules. Isn't that so? Yes. Absolutely. Praise God. Now, <clears throat> does that mean that we should then live lawlessly? In other words, without rules. Is God's intention for us then to live without any rules? Of course not. What it simply means, or what, what God simply means, is, is that our relationship with Him should transcend rule-keeping. Please hear that carefully. What it simply means is that our relationship with God should transcend rule-keeping. It should be above rule-keeping. In other words, just because I keep the rules, it doesn't mean I'm having a relationship with God. What that means is, is that because I have a relationship with God, I keep the rules. Do you hear what I said? That's the difference. That's how it transcends. But unfortunately, there are too many, sadly, <laughs> and at different levels, different percentages. You know, some may just do a 10%, some may do it 100% or 90%. 
You're still doing it. I'm talking about relating to God by rules and rule keeping. And it will have the same effect. The 10% will grow because the law is designed to keep you in bondage. This is why we've been freed from it. Right? And so that's how then our relationship, or the rule keeping at least, when it transcends, <laughs> when our relationship with God transcends rule keeping, that's when we begin to enjoy it. Amen? So like I said, we don't keep the rules to have a relationship with God. We keep the rules because we have a relationship with God. There's a big difference in that statement. In actual fact, Romans 5, verse 19 and 20, um, and then we're going to jump to chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, which is all part of the same portion, from the Passion Translation kind of makes that point clear to us. And we haven't even got to where I want to be in our message. Okay, This is all part of the introduction. Watch what it says. One man's disobedience opened the door for all humanity to become sinners. Who's that talking about? Adam. So also one man's obedience opened the door for many to be made perfectly right with God and acceptable to Him. Who's that talking about? Jesus. So Adam messed it up for all of humanity. Jesus made a way for humanity by choice then to be made right. Then it says in verse 20, watch this now. So then, the law was introduced into God's plan to bring the reality of human sinfulness out of hiding. In other words, people needed to realize that they needed redemption in Jesus and that they weren't okay without grace and salvation. And yet, wherever sin increased, in other words, wherever people realized their actual state of sinfulness, there was more than enough of God's grace to triumph all the more. In other words, no matter how sinful someone was, no matter how much they had sinned, they would realize God's grace is sufficient, super sufficient for any of us. Right? Then it goes on and it says in verse chapter 6, 1 and 2, So what do we do then? Do we persist in sin so that God's kindness and grace will increase? In other words, I know for a fact that some who misunderstand and think, well, then we should sin more so we can experience more grace. That's not what he's saying, right? What a terrible thought, he says. We have died to sin once and for all as a dead man, dead man passes from his, this life. So how could we live under sin's rule a moment longer? In other words, what he's saying is, is that you shouldn't think that you are stuck and bound to a sinful lifestyle. You have been redeemed in Jesus and you should celebrate that, you should embrace it and live in that freedom and realize that you are no longer bound to that sinful state, right? But notice how he ties the law into that, as we've already discussed. So what we see is, is that grace is what allows us to enjoy a non-rule-based relationship with God. Now, why is that important to know? Well, because trying to relate to God through rule-keeping is futile and discouraging. Isn't that so? We're never going to measure up. We're never going to satisfy 613 commandments. Right? We're never going to, because we just, we live in an imperfect body. We are never going to be perfect in this body. We're perfect on the inside, but not in this body. 
and we live in this body, so this body makes mistakes, right? So because of that, trying to relate to God by rule-keeping is actually foolish and futile. More so because we realize that God has made a way for us. Amen. Look at Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. It says exactly that, what I've just said. It says, We know full well that we don't receive God's perfect righteousness as a reward for keeping the law. See, we don't, God doesn't make us righteous because we keep the rules. Because it's impossible to keep all the rules. But by the faith of Jesus. So whose faith makes us righteous? Jesus' faith. The Messiah. His faithfulness, not ours, has saved us. And we have received God's perfect righteousness. Now we know that God accepts no one, no one, by the keeping of religious laws. In other words, God accepts no one by their rule keeping. Because it is impossible for them to keep all His rules. Imperfect beings cannot fulfill and satisfy a perfect standard. That's the bottom line, right? So it's only by grace alone that we can be forgiven. Yes? It's by grace alone that we can be made righteous and that we are made righteous. Yes? It's only by grace alone that we are justified before God. Yes? Of course, yes. So it's by grace alone. And grace is the antithesis of law. In other words, law is about rule keeping. Grace is not. Now that doesn't mean that we don't have to keep any rules. It's like I said to you. We keep the rules because we live under grace. Not because we're trying to live under grace. Amen. So only by grace can we truly enjoy a close and intimate relationship with God. Do we see that in all of that? It's important for us to see that before I share what I need to share with you today. So therefore, our relationship with God should always be based upon grace, not law. We saw all of that today. Amen. Our relationship with God should be based on grace, not rule keeping. Whether it's the rules God gives or whether it's rules that we come up with and make, based on God's rules, on based on what we think God wants from us, it is still rule-keeping. I know some brains are going tilt, tilt, tilt. <laughs> I'm minded, and I still have to stop myself when mine does, because some mornings I wake up, and immediately the guilt and shame and condemnation starts. Because if I wake up one minute later than I should, immediately my conscience starts saying, oh, you're one minute short already on your time with God. And then I sit down and I take a little too long to make my hot cup of tea so I can enjoy it while I read. And, oh, you know, your focus was on your tea, not on your time with God. Look how long you took to make that tea. So the next morning I'll try and pray in tongues as I make my tea to make up for it. Can you see how all that rule keeping? If we let it, it will literally... You walk away at the end of that morning knowing, realizing you've done a bunch of things and you've spent a certain amount of time but you don't feel the quality and the value of it when you walk away. You see, that's what it does when we relate to God by rules. That's the kind of relationship that is based on rule keeping. We need to shift away from all of that. You know, I enjoy my relationship with my wife and my daughter the most when it's spontaneous. When it's not like, okay, at three o'clock in the afternoon, text me and say you love me. 
And when I walk in, you know, at five, make sure you give me a kiss on the right cheek, not the left. And then hug me from the side, make sure it's the right side. Can you imagine? <laughs> Everyone's going to be paranoid because uh, right side, left side, uh, you know, it's crazy. See, that's what rule keeping does. I'm giving you silly examples, but they have the same effect. And that's what happens when we try and enjoy a rule-based uh, relationship with God. So now, let me come to those practical things that I want to share with you today. And so, what I'm calling this is the downside to rule-keeping relationship. It's a list. I'm going to give you seven things. We won't have time for more. But I'm going to give you seven things that I believe are the downsides to a rule-keeping relationship with God and with others. So, I'm going to go through these. Unfortunately, I'm going to try and take my time. But I know that I'm going to go through them quick. This is why you'll have this within one or two days on our website. You can go and check it out on our YouTube channel, on our website, however you like. And you can go through these and pause and take your time. And you can write them down. You can take a photo snap. You can do whatever. You, you can even do it now while we're going through it. Just take a screenshot of them so you can meditate and chew on them a little bit later. Because I guarantee you and I assure you, these are practical things that if you're aware of them and you apply them. Now, don't go and make them rules. But if you apply them, you'll find that you will not engage yourself in a rule-based relationship with God. It will help enjoy a free and genuine relationship with God. And I'm not saying these are the be-all and know-all, but it's a great start. Amen. So, seven things that I'm going to give you. And here's the first one. They're all going to come up on the screen, okay? A downside to rule-keeping relationships. To a rule-keeping relationship. Okay, here's the first one. What happens if you relate to someone based on rule-keeping or God? It becomes legalistic and rigid. Isn't that true? In other words, the focus is on performance and merit more than intimacy and transparency. Isn't that so? You become more focused on doing and fulfilling the rules than really enjoying just intimacy and transparency. Secondly, it becomes impersonal, inflexible, and religious because now the focus is on keeping the rules and thus it becomes legalistic and rigid. Now that applies to God but it also applies to one another. Isn't that so? Mm -hmm. If people, if you communicate to people that they relate best to you or if they want to enjoy a relationship with good as long as they keep your rules what's going to happen this is that that relationship is going to become legalistic. So when you're not around, they're going to break the rules and it becomes rigid. They'll play a part, but it'll never be genuine, personal and flexible. So that's the first identifier. That's the first downside to a rule-keeping relationship. Here's the second one. Another side to a rule-keeping relationship. It ends up lacking authenticity. Isn't that so? It's hard to be yourself when your focus is on adherence, on obedience. Isn't that so? And the pressure to conform suppresses the freedom to express true 
and genuine feelings. Isn't that so? <laughs> so what you'll find is that the relationship is no longer, you can leave that on for as little bit as we can, it, it will, <clears throat> it causes you to really just not be authentic in your relationship because you're so focused on adherence. You know, the pressure to conform suppresses your freedom to express true and genuine feelings. All right, let's move on to the next one. Another downside to a rule-keeping relationship. Fear and guilt dominate. Isn't that so? What do I mean by that? Well, when a relationship is primarily based on rules, one operates out of the fear of consequence if the expectations are not met. Can I hear a yes from someone? You see, this fear-based dynamic hinders open communication and emotional connection. Because now you're too afraid to say anything and be free and speak freely, sir or ma'am, right? <laughs> because you fill with fear and guilt and they dominate that relationship. And that's what it does with your relationship with God and with others. Amen. I mean, I can tell you how often I have counseled, especially young people, teenagers, who are still at home with their parents, and how they play the role for their parents and are a totally different person with their friends and outside of the house. Because that's what a rule-based relationship does. It makes one play a role, be phony, and ever enjoy a genuine relationship. Right? <laughs> Maybe you grew up like that. We don't want to raise our kids like that, right? Now, does that mean that we just let them loose? And No, of course not. I'll talk about more about that in a moment. Okay, so here's another downside to a rule-keeping relationship. Uh, number four, right? Okay, it is driven by performance-based approval. Isn't that so? You see, in a rule-oriented relationship, approval and acceptance are dependent on performance and adherence to the rules. And this creates an environment where we feel that we have to earn love and acceptance through our actions. Isn't that so? So the whole thing becomes driven based on our performance. It's a downside to rule-keeping relationship. Next one. Are you still keeping up with me? Can I continue? Another downside to a rule-keeping relationship is, is that it facilitates a shallow connection. Why? Because the focus is on behavior rather than understanding and supporting one another. On a personal level, that is. The relationship remains superficial. Isn't that so? Because if someone is playing policeman and monitoring my behavior, how am I going to just open my heart to them and have and expect their support? I'm just going to be superficial, just like we are with traffic police officers. Isn't that so? Good morning, officer. How are you today? Oh, you're looking great. How much of that do you mean? <laughs> you're just playing a role because you have a shallow connection, because you know he's there to monitor your rule keeping. Or she's there to monitor your rule keeping. Isn't that so? Therefore, it never really enjoys a deep emotional connection. Yes or no? Of course. Are you ready for number six? Another downside 
to a rule-keeping relationship. There is always a lack of flexibility. In other words, the atmosphere is too rigid to be flexible. Isn't that so? I remember when I was in the army, especially during my basic training the first three months, <laughs> the atmosphere was so rigid, I couldn't be myself, I couldn't be flexible. When the you know, non-commissioned officers and officers walked in, I was not myself. I was all engulfed with rule keeping and that they wouldn't catch me breaking any rules because I knew the consequences would not be pleasant, right? So there's always a lack of flexibility. And then also, life, we have to understand that life is dynamic. Things change. You know how the saying goes, the one thing that is constant about life is change. So life is dynamic. Things change. And a relationship that is too rule-bound will struggle to adapt to change and to new circumstances. Isn't that so? I mean, it's a fact. People that struggle with change, <clears throat> people that struggle with the dynamic, it is generally because they've been raised or they currently are in a rule-based relationship. And this is why they tend to be a little inflexible. Because that's what it does. It always lacks flexibility. All right, here's the last one, number seven. Another downside to a rule-keeping relationship. It stifles creativity and innovation. Think about that one. An environment that encourages exploration and risk-taking allows creativity and innovation to thrive. Isn't that so? Well, a rule-keeping environment will not. It doesn't. It'll prevent it from doing that. Think about nations, countries that have um, dictatorships. There's not much creativity that goes on. Not much innovation happens. And whatever happens is forced. It's imposed on people. Why is that? Because a rule-keeping environment stifles creativity and innovation. So what we do to each other when our relationships become purely rule-keeping on a rule-keeping basis is we stifle creativity and innovation not only in the person that we relate to but in our relationship and our environment. Isn't that so? And also the other thing we need to remember is, is that what a rule-keeping environment does is promote conformity. In other words, we all need to do the same and be following the same rules and keeping the same rules. So it takes us our individual creativity away. And it discourages any deviation from the established rules and norms. Isn't that so? So it basically prevents a person, prevents you from being creative and innovative and those around you. And so that's what happens in your relationship with God too. This is that when you want to be spontaneous and just worship Him, when you want to be spontaneous and just read the word out aloud and forget about your praise and worship time and your tongue-talking time, you see it's creative and innovative. You feel guilty. You feel like you're breaking the rules. No. I mean, God wouldn't do that. God doesn't send you by heavenly mail, doesn't send you a list of five things that He wants every morning, and if you don't keep up to them, you're in trouble. He just wants you to show up. 
He just wants you to acknowledge Him. He just wants you to fellowship with Him. Isn't that so? <laughs> I mean, I think about just, I think it was last week. I mean, I have my little structure, my little thing, but I listen to myself when I preach this and I realize I cannot keep doing this to myself because if I allow myself to go into a rule-based relationship with God, I really get nothing out of it. And I'm doing myself an injustice. And so I've learned to just, you know, not put myself in that position. But I was thinking about it last week. Um, I don't remember which day it was. You know, I, early, I get up early in the morning. I'm a morning person. So I'm up early. And the first thing I do is um, have my quiet time, my time with God. And I have a little structure. I have a little thing that I follow. There's specific certain things that I do. And I follow that order for myself. But I've, you know, I've got to a place where I do those things because I have a relationship with God, not because I'm trying to have a relationship with God. So that, that whole paradigm you know, just keeps happening in me. But this one morning, um, I started listening to my audio Bible, which is part of what I do. And I have a dramatized version uh, that I listen to sometimes. And I just got into it so much. And I was just enjoying it so much that... I put everything aside and I just listened to as much as I could until it was time to go. And I can't tell you, <laughs> I felt the presence of God. It felt so good and so nice. And I thought, man, this is awesome. Thank you, Father, for helping me not have a rule-based relationship with you. This was a grace-based morning, praise God. That's how it felt. And you know, I could feel God. I could sense God. We didn't converse a lot. But I heard his word. And because it was dramatized, I was living in it. And it felt like I lived scripture that morning. That was powerful. Anyway, I wish I could put you in that experience. But, and see, this is the kind of thing that I'm talking. I'm not saying I've got it down perfect. I'm just, I've got to work on these things too. This is why I'm sharing this with you today. So it's pretty powerful. So there I've shared with you seven downsides to a rule-keeping relationship. Not just with God but with others too. Because we can apply, as you can see, I'm sure you can see, that we can apply these to our horizontal relationships too, right? And so go back to them, <laughs> listen to them, meditate on them, chew on them. If you took screenshots, go and look at them, just kind of chew on them. They, it will help you enhance. You will be amazed how it will affect your relationships. And you know, I have to check myself often because... I tend to be a very structured person. I tend to be a very driven, specific, goal-achieving, uh, mission, <laughs> impossible-driven person. But I have to watch myself that I don't let rule-keeping dominate my life. So anyway, now, <clears throat> don't get me wrong. I am not saying that structure is not important in any relationship. It is. Amen. We need to honor and respect, and honor and respect in truth are essential to any relationship. Amen? But when the emphasis is on rule-keeping in a relationship, it will always be at the expense of enjoying a genuine connection and true intimacy. Isn't that so? I mean, I think about my dad. My dad was an extremely rule-driven person. And that's the way he raised me. That's the way he related to me. And you know, it was only in his later, later years, probably like 
five years, the last five years of his life before he went to heaven. And I was already a grown man with my own family, you know, away even from the country. <clears throat> but we would talk to each other. We would phone each other. I mostly phoned him because <laughs> that was his mindset. Another mind that I just did it. But the point is, is, is that it was only towards those end years that he came to realize we don't need rules to enjoy a relationship. I don't need to be assessing you all the time and evaluating your performance and giving you grades before I make you feel like you measure up. I mean, towards the end of his final years, he really was just frank, open, and just let me talk. He would talk and we would just sometimes we would just be on the phone quiet and say nothing. But we were saying volumes to each other. And, you know, I remember one of the last few conversations that I had with him. In his own way, he actually communicated to me an apology, I guess you could say. You know, it was his way of saying, I'm sorry that that's the kind of relationship we had most of our lives. And I understood what he was saying. And, you know, I just said, it's okay, Dad. You were a great dad. You did the best you could. I appreciate that. And I just affirmed him. And it was beautiful. But, you know, you don't want to be in those situations where towards the end of your life, you realize something and it's too late. Almost too late. You want to make the best of it while you're there. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I am working hard at it, believe in me. I don't ever want to be remembered as the parent, as the husband, as, as the person, as the co-worker, as the boss who are related to based on rule keeping. I hope that's not how you feel. Amen. But anyway, so God never intended for us to have a rule-based relationship with Him. That's why He gave us a way out of relating to Him by law and relating to Him by grace. That proves that. Amen. His heart has always been for us to enjoy a genuine, free, and intimate relationship with Him. And that's what He wants for us vertically. And that's what He wants for us horizontally. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. And that can only happen when we base our relationship with God on grace and not law. On unmerited favor and not rule keeping. Amen. Let's end off with this one. Colossians 2 verse 6. <clears throat> As you therefore have received Christ Jesus, the Lord... So walk in Him. Question, how did you receive Christ Jesus? By grace. Amen. And how are you to walk with Him the rest of your life with Him? By grace. Doesn't that also communicate to us that the last thing God wants for us is to have a rule-based relationship, a rule-keeping relationship with us. That's not His desire for us. Amen. We trust that you are blessed by this message. For more information about our ministry or to make a donation to help us continue spreading the gospel, please visit our website at redemptioninjesus.com.